When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, welcome back once again. It's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. Man, we've been having a lot of fun lately, Chris. Too much. Not too much. I'd say just about enough, but we've been having a lot of fun. The last two weeks have been kind of a whirlwind with... Talking to people we've wanted to talk to for a while, hanging out with people that we don't get to hang out with much, and meeting children of certain rock stars that we look up to. Right on, man. We had an awesome (laughs) night hanging out in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Rock City, as it turns out, because we had a rock and roll adventure all night long. I got down down there early. Before we get started, we've got to kind of tell you that, you know, this episode's sort of brought to you by Spotted Cow Beer. Yeah. And maybe a little Jack Daniels. Well, in your, in your case, yeah. yeah. I didn't have any Jack. No. It was tasty. We had a good time because we are hanging out with the Ayatollah of, of Jack and Cola. Yeah, of Jack and Cola. Yeah, that's right. The Reverend, Reverend. Luke Carl. Yeah, we've, uh, we did a full-on interview with Luke not yeah, long ago. Yeah, we did. You never got to hear it because of technical malfunctions. and um, They're going to start wondering if we do that on purpose just so we can come back a second time. Maybe. It, it's a good excuse to it's hang like they, out with They people. think when the interview turns out really, really good, I delete it at the end. Right. So that we have to go back and hear it all again. Well, but done. we can't hear it all again with us because it wouldn't be spontaneous and fun like we like to do it. Right. So we wanted to have uh, we wanted to have Luke on the show and uh, it was great to talk to him and both times. Yeah, both times. <laughs> and this week we're talking about favorite live albums. We've been wanting to do a live album show for years now. We've never done one. So. i got to warn everybody ahead of time. You're going to be pissed off. Yeah, we don't even come close, even close to, to even putting a dent in this No, today. and there's some <clears throat> seriously iconic ones that need, that none of right. the three of us named. So we, it, we, we're going to do three, five, yeah. ten. There's so many. There's so many. Do. And, you know... We kind of went with the parameters of these are live albums that mean something to us. Right. We were just kind of three dudes hanging out talking about the live albums they like. Yeah. So and that's good. It was fun. So, But we had fun last week, too. You know, it we was, did. It was so enlightening talking to Chad Lee, you know, and all those great Dimebag Daryl stories. And 
the behind the scenes, and man, I feel like I learned something last week. I be I felt I feel smarter than yeah. I've ever been, and had a lot of uh, good feedback from it from Pantera fans that loved it, and then also even non Pantera fans that said they enjoyed yeah. how in depth he went with his personal history with Dimebag, and a few people even told me they got choked up listening to him talk about it. Right so. on. I mean, sometimes we luck out here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, and we get to have guests. That aren't just storytellers, but they're kind of like picture painters, you know. Yeah, and Chad, and Chad Lee definitely falls into that, where you can listen to it and you can see it in your mind. You know, it's almost like you're there while he's telling the story. Yeah, we we thank Chad immensely for coming on and sharing the stories, and it won't be the last time he's on the show. No, man, yeah, we, he, we we made we, a friend with him. Yeah, we well, you know who our friends are. We know who our friends yeah. are here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, and you know we're as hosts. We do try to find ways to work these guys back in. If we have a guy on the show one time and he's super cool, we're going to work him back in somehow. And when we do it, it's going to be especially cool like it is today. Yeah, it was. Uh, but Luke has become a real friend of ours, and he's he works for Sirius XM Radio, if you hadn't heard of him before. And Ozzy's Boneyard, Ozzy's Boneyard Hair, Nation, Hair Nation, the only great stations. Yeah. They're the only two I ever listened so, to. So, yeah, as much as radio sucks, it just, a little bit of satellite still has it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Luke Carl, man, that dude's flying the rock and roll so, flag for sure. So we crossed enemy lines and actually went into a radio <laughs> studio and recorded this interview. They wouldn't have us on, so we figured we had to have Luke Carl on our show. Yeah, we broke the door down after we figured out how to open it. Yeah, it's a... It's, oh yeah. <laughs> nice. That's nice inside insider. Joke. I but, like that. Uh, yeah, but uh, Luke was gracious enough to come on, and you're going to hear us talk about it. So real quick, let me get to Geeks of the Week, and these are them. Todd Cunningham, Alan Tate, Robert DePasqua, Chris Broussard, Matt Ashcraft, Joey Haney of the Rock Strikes 10 podcast, Brad Kalmanson, Ryan Sessions, Mike Blunt, Gino Ames, Matt Bradshaw, Cal Hens, Jason Bacon, Joey Vancieri, Derek Novak, James Brendan Dunn, Andrew Jacobs, Lee Maslin of the Audio Junkies podcast, Shay and Abair, Brent Walter, Music is My Religion, Warren Money, Matt Severson of the Paperback Rocker podcast, Jody Havnot of the Strange Ways podcast, The Riff of the Day, Jeremy Flieger, Misty Shelton, Matt Larson, JTB's Groovy Record Room, Rodney Dixon, Hoops, Music Mags and Wax, Jack Broad, Mojo Dave, Joel Hebensberger, and Dave Whitley. Thanks to everybody who does the Geek of the Week thing. Heck, did, yeah. You shared on Facebook, you retweeted on Twitter. It's as simple as that. And we had a lot of them for that Pantera episode, so thank every one of you for doing that. If we could pay you, we would. We you would. are our marketing team, and a great team you are. Thank you so much. You can also hit the donate link at decibelgeek.com if you like, and yeah. give us some money. If you're sharing it, man, you. if you share it, you don't have to pay us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you're not sharing it, go donate. <laughs> also, fall is here, so uh, Decibel Geek hoodies are available, too. Go to the yeah, store. Yeah, Christmas shopping real soon, hitting on Amazon. Yeah. We're going to be rich, Chris. We're we're going to be rich by the time Christmas rolls around. We're rock, and, we're rock and roll rich. Yeah. Yeah, we are. So, yeah. So, I guess we need to just get to it. Here's our talk of favorite live albums with Luke Paul. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, we have guests on the show that are so cool, we've got to have them back a second time, you know. And we've had guests on the show more than once. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's even like we've interviewed people and had them on the show before, but then negligence or, or <laughs> stupidity stupidity or technical malfunction or even maybe alcoholism. Or wardrobe malfunction. Or wardrobe malfunction. Something messes it up. And so we, it, it seems like this guy has been on the show twice, but actually 
making his first appearance on the Decibel Geek podcast. As a co-host. As a co-host this week is Luke Carl. That's right, the Reverend. And uh, judging by the amount of alcohol that's already been consumed, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we screw it up again. I got downtown Nashville a little earlier than everybody else, you know, and, and unlike Luke, I wasn't on the clock, so yep. I got to hang out down at the backside of the Bridgestone Arena. I haven't been to that tavern. place yet. Is it cool? It's not bad, man. It's pretty cool. Big old, big old shots of Jack Daniels. Not overpriced? Mm. Medium well, price? You know, paid, so it's, I don't know. It's you know, it's downtown Nashville, yeah. so everything's a little overpriced. But they, I think you can bring your drinks into the arena if there's a show. You can just if you're not done yet, you can just carry it into the well, guest cool. show or right whatever on. show it is. Nice. Yeah. Or that that, that explains the Dixie Cup they serve. Oh, was it a Dixie Cup? <laughs> but uh, what was interesting, you know, this, Luke is called the Reverend, and it, it makes sense because um, I was texting him on my way in, and I asked him for the b- best suggestions on places to park, and he told me the Baptist Church. Yeah. So I was like, well, that makes That's perfect sense. A rep- Reverend telling me to park at a church. So um, the $10 the really kind of made my wallet hurt a little vehicles. bit, though. But, uh, <laughs> but no, we're actually in Nashville. Nashville's big arena is the Bridgestone Arena, and... It's where the Predators play. And the Predators play, and it's where, lot, the, it's where I saw the Kiss reunion tour in 1997. They used nice. to have arena football here. Yeah, arena football. I saw Kiss play in the uh, Psycho Circus tour in 98. Nice. Um, but yeah, there's a, like there's this big Radio Tower Spire thing in, in the front of it, and I always thought it was really nothing more than a house of gift shop. And actually, Sirius XM has a studio in here, and this is where Luke does his job every day has basically the job that we want. We have, we, we have the unpaid version of this job with a much less nice studio. But, uh, but yeah, we, we thank you for inviting us. My pleasure, man. And I'm grateful for everything that I have and that this company has given me. So I'm glad that uh, we can have you guys back in here and, uh, and give back. Well, cool. I feel like we we don't we don't only have Luke as a guest, but we have like a fourth guest, and that's Luke's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> the mustache is new. That's true. It's new. I went on a camping trip uh, last weekend. Uh, it was my brother's bachelor party. Who I'm performing the ceremony, by the way. That's nice. another reason they call me the Reverend. He's the Reverend official. And uh, in about three weeks, so we, I started growing the beard out for the camping trip, and then kind of carved in the lemmy. So, it, it looks yeah. nice. Man. Thank you. It's, it's very lemmy. Yeah, that's, I well, still say you need a, you need a cowboy hat, a red shirt, and a Trans Am. Uh, I would love to have all of those things. I have mole. Where's the mole? That I could use. You know, do without, but <laughs> it's worked pretty good for him. I don't know if Avery would be happy with Sally Field riding next to you though. Uh, yeah. What would they call a uh, uh, frog? Because yeah. yeah. you're kind of cute like a frog, and I'd like to I'd like to jump you. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> we, speaking of jump, we just jumped the shark. We, nice. we went smoking the bandit. Smoking the bandit. Okay, but we're here to talk about um, live albums, and like we, you know, we've wanted to have Luke on for the, sh- the show for a while, and we we did a really good in depth interview about oh, his man, whole that, life. That interview was and, fantastic, and you guys missed and, yeah. it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you didn't miss anything. I'm not that interesting. Oh, please. To, to beg the differ, man, we actually had a fantastic time, and Luke told us basically his whole life story and how he's gotten to the point where he's at. And this dude is a rock and roller, man. He is a brother in the Decibel Geek Army, just like everybody that listens to this show. So we got to include this guy, and we had to bring him back sort of once again. Well, and it's hard to believe we've done, we've had, we've been around for over three years now, and we have yet to do a live albums episode. So um, actually, when I was hanging out at, at Luke's house with uh, Killer Dwarfs when they were in town, I was like, we're going to get you on the show finally, right? And he said, yeah. And I was like, let's do live albums. It, was per- it just seemed perfect. So um, I kind of remember that. Yeah. That, that was after I stole the 
farm fresh eggs. Oh yeah, anytime you come out, you get delicious. Fr- aren't the they way. great? Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I pull just a quick side story. I pull up into the driveway. And the first thing I see is the killer dwarfs walking around with guns. And I was like, nice. this is uh, this is something I never thought I would And I learned the say. hard way, don't ever give Canadians guns. No. <laughs> they've never even seen them before. So, yeah, I, was, I saw Russ, and I said, yeah, you're really trying to fit in with the rest of Tennessee, aren't you? He said, of course, you know, I have to. But, um, so, yeah, so we're going to get to live albums. We're going to kind of just go round-robin style, and we each picked five of five live albums that mean a lot to us. So we know we're going to piss off a lot of you with how the hell could you not pick this and why the fuck didn't you pick that. So expect to be pissed off, but enjoy the picks that we do have. So right. I pick stuff that actually meant a lot to me as a person. So We're going to try to cover a little bit of everything. We will. But there's so many out there. Of course, just like every time we do one of our shows... There's going to be some we miss. But we expect you to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else you can hit us up at and let us know what we miss and what means a lot to you, too. So um, who's going to go first? Should we flip coin? Who wants to go? Chris? Three-sided coin. (laughs) Go ahead. That's not our show. Somebody. All right. um, That's not us. Two sides of the coin to choose from. Uh, I'll just go first. Um... And this one's apropos, considering what last week's topic was. Um, apropos, big word like gym- gymnasium. Um, <laughs> I wanted to pick something. And this, you know, like I said, I'm picking stuff that means a lot to me. I know this is probably not considered like the greatest live album of all time, but it means a lot to me. And it's the Pantera official live 101 proof album from 1997. Hell yeah. This came out July 29th in 97. It reached number 15 on the Billboard 200 charts and stayed there for 12 weeks. So this is back when rock music still got played on the radio. Yeah, and Pantera was, I mean, back then when that album came out, those guys were pumping out some good damn music, you know, and, and were super popular. And like we talked to Chad Lee last week, you know, and we talked about how, how Pantera was kind of that band that bridged the gap between the guys that loved L.A. Guns and Poison and Kiss and the guys that loved Testament and Exodus and Slayer, you know. They, they bridged the gap that way. They started out a whole lot more like Kiss. Right. With, yeah. with the, the first couple records with more the glam. Like Priest. Yeah. yeah, super glammy. What was it? What was the guy's name? The singer, Terry Glaze. Terry Glaze. Glaze. Yeah, yeah, very glammy. Yeah, very glammy. But yeah, the highlights on this. Well, I mean, the whole album is really good. Um, but like a new level comes out and basically punches you right in the throat. Um, what I love about this album is the fact that it's it's a real live album to me, and because like they include a lot of the in between song banner from Phil Anselmo, which is pretty comical at times. You know, it's like, you know. Should we play our hit? What is our hit? Like, yeah, this is our hit. You're not going to hear this song on the radio, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Really, and, Pantera didn't have any hits other than maybe Planet Caravan. I mean, yeah. That, uh, I mean, other than, like, the Headbangers Ball, yeah. you never saw Pantera videos on MTV back when they played music, you know? But they played the hell out of Planet Caravan. But, I mean, so many great songs. This is almost like... These live albums we're going to hear today and the we're going to talk about album. are almost like greatest hits albums, mm. but live.
Yeah, and then, you know, um, when they go into fucking hostile, when they, you know, the build up to that, and he's talking about it, saying he wants to see everybody go ape shit and everything. And, you know, Phil Anselmo, as much hate as he gets from some people over everything happened with Dime, one of the more charismatic front men, you know, of really the last 20, 30 years. I mean, he's, he's uh, and also, you know, and really powerful singer. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy, you know, you need somebody like that to basically match what Daryl and Vinny were putting out on stage and of course Rex who had great bass lines. Right, you can't put a guy up there in Diamond David Lee's spandex next to no. uh, next to It Di- doesn't work. Yeah, no, no. it just wouldn't work. Yeah. So he was like a man's man, front right. man right. as opposed to a uh, you know, Paul Stanley shake your ass kind of guy. Yeah, no, but he I was I don't think Phil Anselmo gets the credit that he deserves as being a front man because when you think of front men, you think of like Paul Stanley, you know, Robert Plant putting on a know, show. Guys like that out yeah. there putting on the show. But Phil Anselmo really did it, but in a different way. Yeah. And one thing I grew to appreciate was, like, Domination is one of my favorite Pantera songs. Yeah. But, uh, and I initially I, I was pissed off by the fact that they did, they would do the last half of Domination into part of Hollow. But, because I wanted to hear the rest of Domination. But, you know, in hindsight, as years have gone on, I've listened to it. It's a really cool combination. And also, it shows off Rex Brown's bass playing. Which, yeah. you know, it, it, he's not flea by any stretch, but he's really solid in his playing. You hear Rex's bass? Answer me, you hear the fucking bass? On the Cowboys from Hell take Rex over Flea any day. Well, I would too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the fact that they also were willing to take songs that were not necessarily more of the mainstream sounding. Well, you had Sandblasted Skin, Suicide Note Part 2, uh, you know, Strength Beyond Strength. They, like, they would put their heaviest stuff out here on a live album, which, you know, really says something for how those guys believed in the in the music they were putting out. So that's that's my first pick, Pantera, official live 101 proof. Hell yeah. Fantastic. Like Good pick. All right, who's next? I'll go next because I got one that's not similar, but it's definitely as heavy and uh, same era. I'm going with uh, Slayer, War at the Warfield from 2001. I'm fascinated by this because I've never heard it. I haven't either. It was a DVD. The reason that this record is special to me is because at the time I was, uh, it just came out and uh, it just come out and I was in New York and I was in a band that was on a uh, nationwide Battle of the Bands contest that was hosted by Little Steven. Okay. And, of course, Little Steven has his own show, own channel on Sirius XM, which is, I listen to it all the time. It's fantastic. But uh, that was the first time I ever met him. I was probably, I don't know, 21, 20. I was young. And uh, just moved to New York, and my band ended up in this Battle of the Bands that they filmed and put on MTV2, this whole show, this contest. What was the name of the band? My band was called Bonaroba. There's a couple of YouTube clips you can check what out. What did you play? I played drums. I've always played drums. Nice. Yeah, since I was eight. And uh, we were like Aerosmith, Cowbell, Rock and Roll. Right Sweet. on. Good Not stuff. Yeah, was, like, no, it was cool stuff. I had a lot, a lot of fun with that band. And uh, we ended up in this battle of the bands, and they, they, we did it at uh, Irving Plaza in New York, and they filmed the whole thing and put it on uh, MTV. It was like a one-hour 
modern garage right. battle of the bands documentary thing. It was kind of weird, but MTV my mom showed something music related. Yeah, yeah. Wow. At the, even in back the, in the day, two thousands, it was that was the very end, very end of MTV two doing that. You yeah. weren't sixteen or pregnant, so right? That's pretty impressive. Neither <laughs> one. <laughs> kids, I gotta wonder. Kids nowadays probably look at that and be like, "Why do they call this music television?" Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, they, it makes no sense. They probably don't even know the M stands for music. Right. Oh, they dropped the whole word music. They don't even say music anymore. Really? What the hell does the M stand for? So uh, anyway, the the reason I this record came up was because uh, the woman who produced and did the interviews on the show worked for MTV Two, and we stayed in touch. And she sent me a uh, like a case of CDs that were just kind of laying around the MTV Two studios that she was trying to clean up her office or whatever. Nice. And that one was in there, and it was probably the only one that I actually kept. Right. And I was I never heard of it at the time either, you know, because yeah. it's a little bit later on. But Where is uh, the Warfield is that San Francisco? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, San Francisco. Okay. And uh, it's got Hanneman on it, which is nice. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's had tr- a lot of trouble in and out of the band over the years. But it came with a DVD, and it was always one of those ones that when people would come to my house in Brooklyn, I would throw that on, and, and especially if they weren't metal fans, right. they would they would be you know like it's one of those bands where it's kind of like, you can kind of be scared of them if you're. Not a metal fan, you know. Right. I'm a metal fan, and they scared me. Yeah, which is why I <laughs> like them so much. So that that record just ended up in my collection and uh, was on uh, repeat, uh, you know, whenever I would have guests over to my house. Yeah. Paul Bostaff on the drums. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. What's your favorite track off that one? Uh, let's do, you know, I, I didn't really pick a favorite track. They're all fantastic. Um, it's, it is more kind of a greatest hits, as, as greatest well, hits sure. as you can be for Slayer. Yeah. But let's go, with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go Which with let's go with my favorite intro on the record. Uh, Carrie gets all like dark and deep on it, and uh, so we'll go with the, the fifth track on the record, Post Mortem. Sweet. Like uh, live albums that came with DVDs, I'm gonna go with Queens of the Stone Age over the years and through the woods. And you know, anybody that listens to Decibel Geek knows that I'm a huge Queens of the Stone Age fan, and I, I really back this band. I mean, there's not too many bands nowadays that are getting number one hit albums, but Queens of the Stone Age still does, you know, for whatever reason. They don't seem like they should, but they do. And this was a great album because you bought the CD 
and like like you said with the Slayer CD, it comes with the DVD, so you can put it in the car and enjoy it. You can put it in your living room and enjoy it. And there's a ton of like this one, another one, greatest hits albums live, and you can't go wrong with it. As a matter of fact, this one's got my wife, me, my my choice for my wife and I's wedding song, "Make It With You." Which is one of my all-time favorite songs. Great tunes. So you had two wedding songs? Is that what you're saying? What do you mean your choice? Well, I mean, she didn't really pick one, so it was up to me. Oh. You know, I picked oh. all kinds of songs, but I thought this was the one. You know, I, I want to make it with you. Nice. So I, I love this song. You know, and, and like you said, it's a, it's a greatest hits album. So if you want to check out Queens of the Stone Age, and they're a great band live. You know, and I don't think. This is the crazy thing about this band. I don't think enough people really give this band credit as a rock and roll band. I think people like view them as like modern grunge or something. Something. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. maybe it's the old school Caius fans. Yeah. I think They're it might be a fan like... issue, though, because if you go to their shows, the fans are definitely modern. They're like hipster looking. Right. Yeah. But they are for sure but a they rock and roll. I remember when Rated R came out, Rated man, and awesome I was like album. blown away. Yeah. yeah. And I was Rated like, album. wow, man, this thing like, about cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah we played that on the show. The yeah. yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, so I, I followed them. I, I saw them uh, the last on the last tour. I saw yeah. them uh, over here at the Municipal. Yeah. Great show. And even that last album they came out with, I mean, it went to number one on the Billboard. Mm-hmm. There ain't a whole lot of rock and roll bands still hitting yeah. number no. one on the Billboard charts. So these guys they're, did it. Yeah, they're I don't know the how, you know, the radio stations aren't playing nothing off that new album, but somehow they went to number one. Radio stations aren't playing them, but we'll always play them I think, on the uh, Decibel Geek Podcast as long as I'm around. I think some of the... Uh, some of the popularity may come from the magic of Dave of association with Dave Grohl. I think so. Because Dave Grohl helps out on almost all these albums. Right. Because he's buddies with Josh. So, um, yeah, because it seems like over the last two or three years, everything Dave Grohl touches turns to gold. I mean, like, I, I give the guy credit because he appreciates more than just the grunge stuff. He's a big fan of old school rock and metal sure. and stuff. I mean, look at the stuff like he well, did Pro-Bot. that, that Probot, yeah, yeah, with Lenny yeah. and all that. Yeah, you know? it was like him playing with all his heroes, you know. For sure. For me, the Dave Grohl connection on this is really significant because he's such a seriously smoking good drummer. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm a drummer, too, and it's like... 
since the Nirvana days. Well, here's a, I'm not saying he wasn't a good drummer with Nirvana, but there's not a whole lot of opportunity to shred when you're in a right. three-chord yeah. band. Yeah, really cut loose. Yeah, you know, when you're in a more progressive, you know, interesting right. instrumental bass kind of band. Right. With, you know, time signature changes and all kinds of stuff. You don't remember stuff. Nirvana's cover of 2112? <laughs> <laughs> so over the years, Dave Grohl has cool. improved yeah. himself <laughs> as a musician as opposed to yeah. a lot of people who just kind of get to a certain point and then they give up and then they just kind of stay idle for the rest of their careers playing right. the same one-trick yeah. pony shit over and over. Right. This is what I do. He's had to, not had to, but uh, chosen to progress. Yeah, I think I appreciate that about Dave Grohl, and you know, a lot of fans will follow that because just because he was in Nirvana. But you know, Dave Grohl, he, he really carries the flag of hard rock and heavy metal music. You know, hard rock especially. You know, and, and I appreciate that about Dave Grohl, and I really appreciate Queens of the Stone Age. That's good, 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 good pick. Choice. I like that. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm making my substitution now because I uh, I didn't make notes for the. Well, initially I was gonna pick Judas Priest because he's on his fifth beer. No, <laughs> don't give away leave all priest, What are you doing? Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. But um, but I just well because I was if I'm gonna be true to myself and I'm gonna pick on least east, I, that was gonna be the pick. Yeah. If I'm gonna, but see, I've only become a real big priest fan over the last like year. That's hard to admit, and I'm proud of you for doing That's that. That's true. It's great. I had screaming for vengeance when I was a teenager, yeah. and I I, I did have painkiller, but I never like was like, oh my god, priest. You know, I liked a handful of songs. But over the last year, I've really gotten into all of their stuff. I'm kind of the same. So, so the love... last year of your life has been awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And You've then really like the last yourself. over the last two years, I've gotten into Thin Lizzy. Oh so, see, man, like, I, I grew up, I grew up a Kiss fan. He's so growing as a person. It took years to stop thinking of just Kiss. Yeah. So and doing this show that. has helped me open me up to all these other things. I hear that. But if I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to pick stuff that meant something to me personally, I'm going to get skewered for this. I'm picking Poison. Swallow this live. Amen to you, Chris. <laughs> I can't believe I'm. I this. was I was having a hard time not <laughs> well, picking that one. Poison, all right, Twisted Sister was the first rock band that I was like, wow, I really like this genre because of the video. Which makes sense to your, your Kiss yeah, obsession because uh, the makeup. makeup. Yeah. So Twisted Sister got opened the door. Poison gave me a nudge because the Talk Dirty to Me came out on MTV in the video. And uh, all our friends were like, wow, look at this. This is different than everything else. And the, and I don't care who you are. Talk Dirty to Me is a fucking catchy song. And um, it's simple and it's good. It's it's easy for a 12-year-old to digest and get into. But, um, for sure. So Poison kind of became my favorite band for a couple of years there. Where, like I, I loved everything they did. They had a home video called Sight for Sore Ears on VHS yeah. that I had. And I still have it pretty much memorized. I watched it so much. This is before I got into Kiss, and um, Swallow This Live came out around a time. Swallow This Live came out after I was becoming a Kiss fan, but I always wanted to hear a Poison Live album. And um, at the time, I really dug it. I was still like, I was still like a preteen or early teen, and uh, I don't know. It's just, the band couldn't play any sloppier, but I'll give it I'll give it points for honesty. You can't beat disc one of this because it's all like the well, heaviest. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna tell your friends, you know, I like Poison. Yeah. You're like, you're like, no, Poison's cool. Listen to disc one of right. this because it's got all their heaviest songs. Yeah, because well, you've got the intro with the guy going. So, like, from the gutters of Los Angeles, the glam, slam, kings of noise. Yeah. It's just cool. I don't know. It's, it's cartoony, but it's 
cool. And then look what the cat dragged in is cool and everything. The best song, in my opinion, on uh, disc one is Good Love, which yeah. is not, it's kind of a forgettable song on Open Up and Say Ah. Great song. But live, it's really, really good. So, what was it, um, and it's on disc two, I think, is, uh, let me, I'm looking it up here on the computer here. Oh, man, it, was it, uh, I don't know, it was Love on the Rocks is on the album. I That's can't my remember. favorite Poison song. The riff, to love on, the riff to Love on the Rocks is a perfect live rock and roll song. And, uh, you know, you have to forgive Brett for his harmonica playing and stuff like that, <laughs> and, and, and his, uh. Well, that, I there's think the a Aerosmith influence on Poison, you know. And there's one, there's one song where he, I guess, poor boy blues. He's like, you know, what my daddy said to me, my daddy said, you ain't nothing but a gold down, go dum 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 dum. Just, and it's just this, this scat thing, and it's like Brett trying Again. to be black, and it's just awful. Well, I guess Aerosmith thing. I think. But this album means a lot to me personally because I, when in junior high school, I played the shit out of this on cassette tape too, mind you, because nice. that's what it was out on. That was the format it was out on, and also it's got um, studio tracks on it too it's got uh so tell me why is actually a pretty good studio track yeah. i actually dig that one but you know i'm not a big poison fan these days a lot of their stuff hasn't aged well for me and I'm, i still am. i'll still go see them live to hear the songs but uh if they play in 2015 like, yeah. like they're supposed to yeah happen. they're talking there's talk of them doing it again but uh and cc's guitar playing is ridiculous on this album but it's just it's, ridiculously awesome. It's a big bombastic rock and roll album. Sure, I mean that you got to love a live so, album that's get, the drum solo's got its own yeah. track and the guitar <laughs> solo's got its own track. Ricky Rocket drum solo. You got to love that. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Rocket drum solo. You got to love it. It's all a, about over the top. And then yeah, yeah nothing but a good time is cool on out it. Of poison. But it's a yeah, it's a fun album. So if you know if you don't want to take rock and roll too seriously, this is a good one to pop in and play. So Which I, I don't. So yes, I picked Poison. Swallow this live over. Judas Priest unleashed in the East. Let the hate mail flow. <laughs> I was going to say good for you, Chris Sinzak, but in that in that context, man, I don't know if I want to back you on that. Okay, Luke, you're next. I love poison. Oh, you're about to pick the one that I was going to pick. I'm going to go with Thin Lizzy. This one's a no-brainer. Live and dangerous. See, this is the one you beat Chris to. This wouldn't. I had already made notes Priest for this. Album. Alive, 1978. Awesome album. Just doesn't get any better. Also, they put out a DVD in 2007 that was... Uh, oh, yeah, they had other tracks from it. Yeah. Yeah. There's controversy over this album, uh, over how much of it's live and how much of it isn't. Yeah, this, this, how much is from the soundboard and how much is from the studio. Because the producer and... says different than the band. Right. Yeah, Tony Visconti, who produced a lot of T-Rex's early stuff, 
Uh, they wanted to work with him, I guess, because they were big Mark Boland fans. But uh, and he did Bad Reputation. And then, from what I remember, they uh, the band claims that uh, Tony Visconti claims that seventy five percent of it is studio, and the band claims that seventy five percent of it is live. So it depends on who you believe. Either way, it's a great album. Yeah, twenty five, seventy five. Well, who cares? They're the, all all these live albums well, are kind of Scott like that. Scott Gorham and Brian Robertson. Man, this is does get any better. This was Brian Robertson's last album with the band. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry to talk over you. No, that's I had picked it too, so I know stuff about it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a great record, man. Hey, hey you just... two quit fighting over the Thin Lizzy live album. I'm gonna go with the rocker for my uh, song of choice from this record, just because that's my favorite Thin Lizzy song oh, in general. It? Yeah. just you know it's the anthem if you have the lyrics you know it's just the anthem for uh, all rock and roll and anybody who believes in rock and roll and eats and shits and breathes it like like we do yeah yeah we do it's uh you know this is this is how you do it like if i were to have a, a child and he's 14 years old and he's learning music for the first time i put that song on and say you're a fucking rocker and this is why yeah you know that's cool that's i'm gonna a- go home and make my son listen to that right now i listen to it all day at work today later. actually Nice. You had already picked it, and I was like, I'm going to listen. I'm going to go back and listen to that. I know. When I saw that you picked it, I was like, oh, yeah. Chris is going to Oh, be I texted upset. him that last night. Well, you shouldn't have like, given me the first you, pick. I said, you fucking beat me to Thin Lizzy. Shouldn't have <laughs> given, <laughs> given me the first pick. That's why I let you guys. I'm that was like, the first one that like, came into right. my head after, well, one of my other picks that we'll get to. It's like I made a huge list of live albums that I love, and I was like, I'm going to let you guys pick first, and I'll take what's left. Yeah. Because there's plenty to go Oh, around. yeah. There's a lot of great ones. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Aaron, you're next. You're up, brother. You know, talking about albums, and you talk about, you know, if you're not sure if it's live or if it's not live or what's done in the studio, because, man, everybody knows these live albums that came out back in the day, a lot of them were, you know, touched up in the studio. A lot of them, most of them. But here's one that wasn't touched up at all. Talking about 1978's Aerosmith live album, Bootleg. And, I mean, you got to appreciate an album like this because, I mean... They went in and basically recorded it as, as if it was a bootleg album. Yeah. Yeah, it's as raw as it can get. That's what I love about it. I mean, you got the banter in between and, and the mess-ups and the screw-ups. It's all there. That's what it's about. If you go and see Aerosmith Live in 1977 or whenever this was recorded, you know, this is what you got. It was actually and, 73. Yeah, this is oh, early. so it was recorded in 73, yeah, it's very released in 78. Nope, so it says 77, 78. Oh, okay. I was see, reading. I was right quick. Well, I was looking at taking from a radio box. There was two broadcast. songs, uh, the, the covers, the cover oh, songs yeah. that were recorded okay. at a radio broadcast in Boston. Well, hell, my guess is just as good as Wikipedia. Yeah, they're a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of putzes. I mean, our our sources. Yeah, our, yeah. our, our sources say. But anyway, I mean, there's so many good songs in this, you know. And, and again, you know, 
talk about like a greatest hits. You got Sweet Emotion on there, Toys in the Attic, Come Together, the awesome Beatles cover, you know, Dream On. There's so many great songs on here, but one of my favorite Aerosmith songs always has been Chip Away at the Stone, you know. Yeah, that would have been my pick. Richie so, Supa. That's a great yeah. song. Yeah. But if you want to talk about a live album, you just talk about like, you know, so many of your favorite bands, especially back in the 70s where they'd, they'd go record the concert live or several concerts live and then go back in the studio and have to rework everything. Mm-hmm. Let the drums, a drummer can appreciate that. You can't rework no. the drums. But this one, straight up live album. You want something live from Aerosmith back in the day, this is your album. That's a good one. If you've ever uh, if you've ever uh, read the the Walk This Way book, man, there's a lot of uh, insight into the band during those days. And that's an amazing book, and especially about the creation of the albums and the touring things. And Luke, have you read Walk This Way? I have not. Oh, you should check it out. It's, but I've read The Drunk Diet, available on Amazon for eleven dollars. <laughs> that's a great book too. Spoken like a true Gene Simmons. Fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We will. I'll add that to the show notes. But uh, no, the uh, if you haven't read Walk This Way, check it out because it's uh, it's really good insight into the work in the studio and the live experience. And even if you're not a big Aerosmith oh, if, fan, but you're a fan yeah. of rock and roll in general, that's something you can appreciate. Is it? Uh, it's not by. It's not written by the band. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, it's it's all members of the band, and it's all it's like you'll hear the same story from different angles. Oh, so like uh, they they were they interviewed all separately. Of them. Yes, like almost like like Kinda the dirt. Like the dirt. Yeah, yeah, very similar to that's the dirt. Awesome it was book. like the original. Let me tell a quick um, story from the Aerosmith Walk This Way book that's pretty interesting. Um, it was around 1976 or 77 and the, the band, or whenever this happened, but in the mid-70s, Steven Tyler was sick of riding on the bus and wanted the band to actually go ahead and buy their own private plane to fly to gigs because they were, they were making enough money at this point to do that. So they go. Um, one of their one of their roadies says, "Okay, I got a guy down in I think Mississippi that has a plane for sale. Let's go down and look at it." So they go down with their friend who's like a pilot and knows about planes, and they say, "Well, you look at it and tell us what you think." And he looks over this plane and everything, and he's like, "We're not buying this plane. There's just no way. It's just it's just it's not in any shape for us to be to be touring." And so Steven Tyler was really pissed off and actually threw a fit about it and was like, "All right, fuck it. We won't buy this plane." Three months later, that exact same plane crashed with Leonard Skinner on board. No way! Wow. So it very well could have been Aerosmith instead of Leonard Skinner. Wow. Well, not that I would want to choose in that situation, but uh, well, we would have never heard Jaded. But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Bad joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah. So all right. Because so Aerosmith live bootleg. Uh So I guess I'm next. You are. 
And uh, you talked about Aerosmith live bootleg being one that was more of a of a raw recording, no overdubs, anything, no nothing re-recorded. That's My, what I like about it. I'm this is uh, this next one has there's a lot of controversy over whether it's <laughs> real or not, which it probably isn't. Kiss Alive, 1975, the the album that broke the band, basically, released September 10th, 1975. So we're right at the anniversary right now when we record this. Maybe the greatest live album of all time. Very possible. Um, recorded in Detroit. Well, what about Peter Frampton? <laughs> Did you pick Peter Frampton? No. no. Did you pick Peter Frampton? No. I bet you your parents owned Peter Frampton's comes a lot. A whole lot of people own that one. Yours did too, didn't they? No disrespect to Peter Frampton. He's a good guitar player, but I just, no, didn't make my list. Um, but recorded in Detroit, Cleveland, Wildwood, New Jersey, and Davenport, Iowa. This was Kiss was a working man's band. Blue Collar Middle America loved this band because they were a hard-working band. They didn't look blue-collar. No, but they, they were entertaining. They would bust their ass on stage for all these hard-working people that would work in factories and then go to the Cobo Hall or wherever to see them play. Right, because they needed something special. Yeah. They needed something better than dudes on stage dressed the same way that they were. Right. They needed something extra Superheroes. Right. Yeah, they needed something to really blow their freaking minds. Yeah, this, uh, it, you know, in the Kiss's first three albums, it really tanked. They didn't do that great. But this one reached number nine on Billboard and stayed on the charts for 110 weeks. So, Hell yeah. So it put them on the map, and they stayed on the map because of it. You know, and then, you know, all of you that are listening to the show, most of you are Giant Kiss fans. You know the story behind this album. Highlights, I mean, there's so many highlights, but why it's personal to me, those of you that haven't heard this story, I was watching MTV in 1987. Kiss's Crazy Nights album was out. The video for Reason to Live was on, and I was all into the I was all into the hairband movement at the time. So I'm watching it, going, "That's pretty good." And I remember saying, "That's pretty good." <laughs> and my older brother heard that, and he started laughing. Thank you, Eric. And I said, "What's so funny?" And he's like, "That's not Kiss." Yeah. And then he goes, "Hang on a minute." And he goes in his room, and he comes out with a vinyl copy of Alive, and he goes, "This is Kiss." That's Listen to Kiss. this. Yeah. And. So I went into our room and I and went into my room and I put it on the record player and I put it on side two of the second album. So it started with Rock Bottom and Rock. So the the little acoustical intro to Rock Bottom starts playing and I was like, ah, I don't really like that much. So I why'd sk- you pick that side? Yeah, I mean, that, I don't know. That I, it's just the first thing I put geez, down. The intro to Rock Bottom is like a million times heavier than Reason well, yeah, to Live. But it, it and <laughs> it should have been right up your alley. Well, let me finish. It's cool in hindsight, but then so then I'm like, well, I'm gonna go to the next song. So I go to the next song, and that's when it's got the whole, how y'all feel? Yeah. I, was like, yeah. I heard somebody like vodka and orange juice, yeah, and yeah. I was like, what am I hearing? And then when it kicks into the riff for Cold Gin, and they start playing Cold Gin, that was the clincher.
that's the song that clinched my fandom. You'll never forget where you were, who you were with, what you were doing. Yeah, I was standing in my bedroom listening to that going, holy shit, this is awesome. And yeah, I I must have listened to Cold Gin 30 times in a row. Nice. Before I even listened to the rest of the album. Because I was so hooked on that one song. You but yeah, the main away. riff and, to call, and I thought the and I wasn't looking at the jacket at the time and I thought the song for the for a while was called Gold Gin. I didn't know anything about liquor or anything. Right. I was like 12. But yeah, so I thought it was I was like I love that song Gold Gin. I remember I was like no, it's Cold Gin. But still, I drink a lot now. Yeah. Who, the, who the hell ever thought about <laughs> drinking Cold Gin? I don't gin, think like, very many people right. drink Cold on Gin on the rocks like what? Yeah. When you throw it in your freezer? Well, it like, makes right. sense because it was written by Ace who at that time would probably drink just about anything. anything. Yeah. And, well, until <laughs> was a few like, years ago. Cold. Yeah. So I have to I have to thank Kiss and I have to thank Ace Frehley for writing the first song that got me into Kiss and that's why Kiss Alive is my next pick. Fantastic. Nice. I think only logically you must go next, Luke. All right. Well, I was right I'm gonna I'm going to uh, flip flop my number uh, two and number one since I'm gonna go we're gonna do a two for and go I'm gonna go to Kiss Alive two. I was gonna do that for my number one. But uh, I figure, hey, maybe it's two for Tuesday. I don't know. I've drank too many beers to go in any order, so. I don't even know what day of the week it is. Uh, Who cares? Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) 1977, uh, this is is the record that put Kiss on the map, man. This was, you know, this was it. This is when it stopped being a, a, you know, cartoon band that uh, people weren't so sure about. And uh, that's when the songs became hits. Right. And everybody yeah, started going crazy. They took right. over the world. That's when they took over the world, man. This was them at their peak, really. This was the yeah. album that did it for me. Yeah. Alive, too. This would this would also be my number one pick if we were going in any sort of order here. And, of course, the uh, side four of the... Uh, side two of the second record is uh, the uh, non-live... Yeah. Original, new original tracks. Not right. the new originals. Which I had to change our name to the Thamesman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's a spinal tap, right? It's a spinal tap. <laughs> quote, yeah, but uh, yeah, Rocket Ride, All American Man, you know, Large some great, great tunes on there. Yeah, some great studio stuff. But the live album, man, and, and you talk about, you know, when Chris, you're talking about live and how Cold Gin hooked you in mm-hmm. with me for Kiss. It was fucking shock me, you know. And when they said we're gonna turn the microphone over to he's an ace, ace guy, Fraley, you know that solo just freaking blew my mind. And and to hear that, I think you know. And I, this was my first Kiss album other than Double Platinum, but you know I listened to Double Platinum. My aunt Pam had it, mm-hmm. and she also had Kiss Alive too. But that guitar solo on Shock Me, it was like that was the one I had to play it over and over. And I was at, I was so young, I didn't even know what I was hearing, but I just knew it. It resonated in my brain somehow. You know that that guitar solo just just blew me away, and it, it made me into the person I am today. Yeah, man. Recorded at the Forum. So it's Ace Frehley's fault. Totally. He's an Ace guy. I'm a Paul guy. Are you? Yeah. So I you know. like I want you? And... I mean, I, I like. Uh, it's all awesome. to me. It's not necessarily who wrote the song or who right. sang the song, but like when it comes to my guy. Mm-hmm. Paul's just my—he's the guy I relate to. Yeah, uh, just he's over the top. He's a cartoon. He's you know he's so flamboyant and crazy. He's just the guy that I was like, yes. But uh, as far as like who wrote the song, I, I don't I don't play any favorites. Right. As far as that's concerned, because it's all good. This whole album is freaking awesome. Man. Oh yeah. Just like just like the first Kiss Alive, you know, just amazing. My stuff, favorite I mean. moment of the album is, oh, I love God of Thunder because it's so sped up yeah, to the original because it's like almost that. like a thrash version of God of Thunder, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, one of what only two 
songs that Paul wrote, but Gene, Gene sang. Sings, yeah. yeah, I don't know what the other one is. And also, my another, I'm a Gene person, so I like. And then my favorite moment on the album, and this is so, this is so Kiss geeky, is during Calling Doctor Love when he goes, "You know why." And he never did that ever again live, but when he said, they call me Dr. Love, I just, I don't know. There's a, there's so much attitude on this album. You could tell the, yeah. ba- the band were at their full powers mm-hmm. when, when they put that album That's out. a great way to describe this album is power. And you I, know, because you put it on your headphones, you put it on your speakers, it's going to blow you away every time. And it also came with tattoos so and yep. a full book. So I have a couple of copies of the album with that. So that's a good choice, man. Two kisses back to back. Yeah. All I right, you're it, up. I guess it's my turn. Here's so, your number one. So the only no, no, you're still on your number three. No, you already took my number one. Oh. So <laughs> I just, just going, here, here's what's left. But if we're gonna go in some sort some sort of order here, then I guess the only logical place for me to go is 1993 with Kiss Alive, three. Boom. Because, man, I remember being a young kid, maybe not that young. In my teenage years, I was in high school. But, man, I was stoked when Kiss Alive 3 was coming out because I had seen Kiss on the Revenge Tour. And, I, man, that was really, truly, you mean, growing up in Wisconsin, I'd seen local bands playing, you know, and I, I'd seen the Violent Femmes, but I hadn't really been to a real big freaking concert Till I saw Kiss on the Revenge Tour. And man, you know, to me that was really something special because for a lot of years, Kiss was the band that, you know, my friends were like, Kiss? And fuck Kiss. We're listening to Slayer. We're listening to Metallica. We're listening to Skid Row. We're listening to all these heavy bands. Yeah, it wasn't considered cool at the time. No, Kiss does not equal up to this, this, you know, bombasticness that they used to be. And I'd be like, man, listen to Alive. Listen to Alive too. And they'd be like, Dude, that was 20, 10 years ago. You know, that was a long time ago. But when Revenge came out, it was like Kiss got their balls back, you know, and they really were starting to rock things out. And they were playing songs like Unholy, which was freaking awesome. And they were busting out some of the old stuff. Watching you. But, yeah, you know, to to come out and play Watching You and Deuce again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really add some heaviness to it. And, you know, everybody knows I'm an ace guy. But, man, Bruce Kulick freaking ruled on this album. Yeah. And have Eric Singer back there busting out the drums and heavy and powerful. Kiss Alive 3, it may not stand up to one or two, but still a freaking awesome album. Because I saw the Revenge Tour also, and, you know, the fact when they came out and they broke into Creatures to start the show. Yeah. You know, that was like, wow, they're actually, they're going to, you know, go pretty heavy with this set list. And they did. The only thing that bummed me out about Alive 3 was they didn't include Parasite. Because no, it, it was would've. a great showcase for Eric Singer's drumming, you know, because yeah. he just, he totally kicked ass on that song. Didn't but, they do Creatures on the latest tour? 
No, they haven't done creature since like in ten, like ten years. Oh, maybe I was wasted. I thought I remember singing. <laughs> I thought I remember singing along to it. You were wishing. That was a tribute show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were Halloween. Playing, they were playing one of the new songs. Yeah. You were singing Creature yeah. of the Night. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. uh, it's a it's a cool album, you know. And there's a lot of that's another one that you know a lot of controversy. How much of it's live? How much of it isn't? Um, well, what can you do? You know, that's just the way most live albums really are. And I think know. in retrospect, I think a, a lot of fans that are a little more grown up, and you know, maybe a lot of the listeners of the Decibel Geek podcast probably a little more mature nowadays realize these bands go back and they fix things up. What well, happens on all of them? They, sure. they, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing. Just relegated to Kiss. And a lot of times, you know, you you can't you can't even get a good uh, mix off the soundboard in the back of a gigantic room with thirty five thousand right. people. Screaming. There's going to be some weird things going on yeah. with you know yeah. two hundred feet of cable and yeah. Right. yeah and maybe the sound guy's drunk or whatever. Right. You know. Dude's taking bong hits right next to the stage. Yeah. right next to the recording Dude, studio. Some guy drops Somebody's a beer on the on the here, board. You know. <laughs> Don't talk about Eddie Kramer like that. Oh. <laughs> but that's but, the last know, thing they did with Eddie Kramer. I wish they would get back together with that guy and a fantastic lineup back then you yeah know, with, with bruce and eric bruce along and eric, with gene yeah. and paul man you know i i just don't think that lineup gets enough credit no. nowadays you know with when everybody talks about old kiss versus nowadays well, kiss and that kind of gets pushed under the rug when it's wrong yeah, yeah it's either now kiss or it's original kiss yeah. nobody ever talks about this anything gets else swept under the rug and, and it's wrong as you know yeah. as someone as aaron and i and i'm sure you too would like as someone who was a fan during that period it was a fun time to be a fan of the band you know it was it was tough it, it was not their most popular era but like the, the stuff they did do at that time was really cool and fun you know but at the time like revenge and kiss alive three and going into carnival of souls that's some of the heaviest stuff kiss had ever done i yeah. love that era love it yeah I dig it. That's a good choice. All right, so who... Uh, I guess I'm... You're up. Okay. You're number one. Uh, well, is, is it? Well, I've got two more picks. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not going in any order, so I don't know, because my number one won't be right. Oh, you're right. I have two, too. I've, I've... Okay. My next one... Um, and this one, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned how I, you know, I've recently got into Judas Priest and then Lizzie over the last couple of years. This is another band. I, I didn't get into this band until probably five years ago. And um, this is a band that I would put down regularly when I was in high school. Because I was a KISS fan and I was into Megadeth and Pantera and, and a lot of technical players. You know, I was into really hard to play stuff. So, Ingvay Melsing. Yeah, I was even into Shredder stuff. Oh, okay. Paul Gilbert, Jason Becker, I was all about that stuff. So this band used to get a lot of flack from me until I actually opened my ears. And I'm talking about the Ramones. And... And it's funny, you know, it's it's weird the different places you can get into a band from. This band I got into because of a documentary. And they put out a documentary a few years ago called End of the Century. And it was before, you know, a lot of these guys, it was right before Dee Dee passed away that they filmed it. And uh, it's the whole history of the Ramones, basically told by all the members of the band. And... It and it's brutal. It is as honest as a documentary can get. And if you haven't seen End of the Century, even if you're not a Ramones fan, you'll become one after watching it and seeing what these guys went through. And I just, I had so much respect for the bit for them as a, you know, as people. And then I started going into the catalog and listening to the to the to the all the songs and stuff. And man, I I became a Ramones fan like overnight after watching that movie. And so I had to pick up. I wanted to pick a Ramones album, and I picked "It's Alive" from 1979, and it came out in April of '79. Was recorded on on New Year's Eve 1977 at the Rainbow Theater in London, 
Um, the album title is a reference to the 1974 horror movie of the same name. It was four concert four concerts during the UK tour were recorded, but the New Year's Eve one was chosen because ten rows of seats were thrown at the stage after the concert, and it was considered the best performance of the show of the, <laughs> of the run. And um, but here's the sad thing: it was certified gold in Argentina in 1993. Wow! It is so it is so sad that this band sales wise has never gotten the, the the just due that they deserve. South Americans know what's up. Oh, they were huge there, but like I'm, you know, it's just like I've never seen a band that is so freaking popular. Look at how many Ramon shirts you see all over the place. everywhere. But Target, yeah, they sell now Target. But, yeah, but then go, topic, yeah. You, know. but you then, don't even know what you're wearing, but, do you? Yeah, but then look at their album sales, and it's it's awful. It's heartbreaking almost because like they never they never got the income that those guys deserve. They wrote some amazing music, and they never got the. the it's like, oh, this is a cool T-shirt, I'll wear it, but I'm not going to buy their albums. Yeah, I was and, lucky enough I got to see them in uh, ninety. Did you? 95, 95 oh, that was like last tour. Yeah, that? that was it. Yeah, nice. it was Kansas City. Uh, it was with that was all the blues with Met- Metallica and Soundgarden. Oh, so I was at Sandstone, yeah. right? Uh, it was in uh, no Kansas City. Uh, Sandstone is is Denver. No, uh, no, you're right. That Sandstone. is Kansas City. Yeah, no, this was at some weird like it was like a cornfield or something. Oh, didn't really? have a name. I don't think. Was it Rockfest? No, it was 15. No, it was Lollapalooza. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, I was my, I was like, I was a, I was a baby. You yeah, know, Metallica's up so there. So were you a Ramones fan when you saw them? No, so I was there for Metallica. Them with, with new eyes. I was there for Metallica. What did you think of the Ramones? I I, I didn't know what the fuck to fuck. I, hadn't, like, I didn't know. Yeah. I was yeah. like, what is this? You yeah. Know? And it looked cool. Right. But I was there to get my face blown off. Right. You know? yeah, and I was like a 15-year-old kid. And, and They did stick out like a sore thumb on that bill. Big time. Yeah. Well, that's cool for Metallica but I was, to bring Ramones well, Yeah, out. I was happy yeah. for them because yeah. they were they were getting you know exposure that they needed. But, you know, it was, uh, but man, look at the fucking, like, the set list on this. If you haven't heard these songs, like Rockaway Beach, Blitzkrieg Bop, Teenage Lobotomy, uh, you know, Gimme Gimme Shock Treatment, You're Gonna Kill That Girl, that's my pick for the song for this. That's a great song. I saw out of the streets. You drove off the field. And then a new... It was the end of oh, oh, oh. I, this kind of celebrates the first few albums that they put out, and it, those are great. But honestly, I like the stuff they put out with End of the Century into the early 80s because that was Joey Ramone kind of exerting control over some of the songwriting choices. Crazy bastard. Which um, Joey was a big fan of the of the 50s kind of pop you know the hooky stuff from the fifties. That would explain and some 60s. of the weird covers that they did. Well, yeah, because like they did "Baby I Love You," which yeah. was a was an old Phil Spector world. song. Yeah, and um, he was a big fan of hooks, which I am too. And I love the fact that you'd have Johnny who would you know he'd play these chainsaw guitar riffs, 
but Joey would bring this melodic sensibility into the band, which made it a perfect mix. Sure, you know? and somehow you got to blend that. Right. And it comes out as something special. Yeah, that's what made them sound different than any other band. Nobody will ever sound like the Ramones again, ever. No. People have tried, but they won't. You can't. Nobody can sound like Joey Ramone. It's impossible. So, um, you know, in 2005, it was ranked the 279 in Rock Hard Magazine's book of the 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time. I rank it a lot higher than that. I think... Uh, yeah, it, the Ramones are a great band, and one of these days we have got to do a show on the Ramones. It's just you know they they need to be they need to be acknowledged. So it's alive, 1979 by the Ramones. That's my next pick. Is this your number one? No, nope. uh, well technically I got two more, but okay. I'm running out of time. All right, I'm supposed to be uh, on Union and Fourth and All right, let's twelve speed this minutes. Shit up. All right, all right, I'm gonna <laughs> go with uh, Maiden's first live record, Live After Death. Fuck yeah. 1985, pretty much everything Maiden has ever done I am uh, obsessed with. Uh, I don't care who was singing, maybe not so much, uh, what's his name, the Blaze third guy. Bailey. but Yeah, Blaze Bailey. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, there was also some overdubbing controversy. Uh, Steve Harris went on record and said that we would prefer not to do that, and it wasn't really our choice. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it also came out with a DVD. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I eat and shit Maiden and I just, one of my, there were, it's ACDC Kiss and Maiden and every day I switch which one's number one. Usually it's ACDC. I still haven't but, caught the bug for Maiden. What? You'll get there, man. Awesome. It takes some time. Yeah. It takes some time sometimes. You caught on but, a priest, uh, man. You'll get Maiden we'll too. See. We'll get you there. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, Priest to Maiden is a very easy transition. Yeah, yeah, but nine minute songs, I don't know. Oh, I love it, dude. I do too. <laughs> I love, as a matter of fact, uh. So many good songs on uh, this live. Yeah, album. just to piss you off, I'm going to go with "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" because it's <laughs> 13 uh, minute epic. Thing. And that's saying, I think that's <laughs> as we're running yeah. out of time, you're going to pick a nine minute song. Holy shit! As a matter of fact, I think the studio version is 15. So this yeah. would, would, so they, they is, even cut it down. Either that, or they sped the BPMs up a couple. And of course, over a 15 minute song, if you speed it up a quarter of a BPM, right. yeah. it's six minutes. It's, that's why, it down that's a why he's bit. an ancient mariner. He's the ancient mariner because it took. So long for the song to By the time you're done listening to it, you'll feel 13 minutes older. <laughs> Most of the stuff came from Power Slave and Peace of Mind, you know, Number Great of the Beast, album. and uh, of course they're going to do the, the couple of hits from the from the Diano era that uh, you can. It's so painful to see uh, to see Bruce doing those songs because you know he fucking hates it every time. But, but you he know, does it so much. He does it. Kind of have to. So good. But he does it better. Yeah, I, I agree. But Power Slave, Peace of Mind, those two were probably. If I had to pick, I would go with one of the two of those, if not both, for my Desert Island. And uh, those oh, yeah. those two are both highly represented on this one because it came out right after uh, right after those two records came out. So cool. and that cover, man, the album cover, freaking yeah. awesome. I'll give on probably one covers. of the greatest album covers of all time. Maiden's probably got almost. If you had a top ten album covers, Maiden would probably take five of them. Yeah. All right. Well, you got. 
Um, I'm gonna go with a weird one here. This is gonna be a little out of the out of the park, but uh, since we're in a hurry and everything, I'm gonna go with uh, Lizzie Borden. Murderous Metal Roadshow. It's a long name. But the reason this one means a little something special to me is because when I was a young kid, my Uncle Bruce had not only the, the album, double album, mm -hmm. but he had the VHS tape to go with it. Why did he give this to me at such a young age? I don't freaking know. It warped my little mind, but I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that because, man, this is a great live album. And I can't imagine they went back and fixed too much on this because, hell... It's Lizzie Borden. But there's so many great songs on here. Love You to Pieces, Ultraviolence, Menace Society. My favorite, man, Give Them the Axe. I yeah, love that song. Yeah, we played that on the show before. Yeah, we're going to play it again, the live version right now. one was just something that you know at the time it came out there was no alice cooper ozzy osbourne was dressed like one of the golden girls you know? <laughs> so was kiss so yes yeah, so it was kiss you know so you needed lizzie borden and lizzie borden delivered it and then some on this album if you can find this on vhs i'm sure it's probably not on dvd somebody needs to get with lizzie borden and release it on dvd so everyone could have it but if you can find it on vhs this is freaking awesome. And he's going to be at that festival I'm hosting, Skull Fest 2. Uh, Rock and Skull. No. Or you're doing that one, too. I'm yeah. doing them both. Oh, okay. Skull, yeah. But uh, the, Lizzie Bort, is he at both of them? No, no, he's not at the Yeah, he's at Skull Fest. That's the one in Nebraska. Yeah, Skull Fest 2, the uh, October 10th through 11th this year, coming up in... Uh, North Platte, Nebraska. Hosted by the Reverend. That's right. And I'm from this Nebraska, guy. so I'm he's the hometown hero. Hometown hero. Going right. home. Go bringing, Big Red. Bringing Sweet. the rock and roll to Nebraska. Boom. With Lizzie Borden. Fucking awesome. Cool. I love that Lizzie Borden's still out there kicking ass. All right, so I got my last one and then Luke's last one, and then Luke's got to go out the door. All right. I got one more. Oh, you got one more? Okay, yes, well, you then guys I'll, better hurry up. Right. In a so, circle, baby. All right, my last one. Doc and Beast from the East, nice. 1988. Yeah, you can't do it without that. This came out on November 16th, 1988, right around my, gosh, so this is right around my 12th birthday. So, wow. It uh, was recorded on uh, between April 20th and April 30th in Tokyo, Japan during the Back for the Attack Tour. It earned, so it could have been docking live at the Budokan. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> it earned the band their only Grammy Award nomination for Best Metal Performance in 1990, but they lost to Metallica's one. Yeah. And um, the band was involved in controversy when Chris Cornell of Soundgarden said he was perplexed when he found out Dokken was nominated for the award. Because I guess wow. Soundgarden was nominated, I think it was, was it Louder Than Love that was out around that Probably. time? Probably. What year? Well, was, 1990. 90, yeah. That, I mean, what was Louder yeah. Than Love? I mean, that wasn't even a big album for no. Soundgarden. Now. I, I, it is That's now. my favorite one now. Yeah? yeah. That's a good one. But back then, it kind of makes Cornell seem douchey. Well, kind of. But, uh, but well, it, I mean, I'm perplexed because the album had come out two years prior. I don't know why it suddenly 
finally got a, a nomination after. Of course, they the same people gave Jethro Tull the I was going to say, yeah, this, it's not so, like Dawkins Jethro Tull. Right. And it, it peaked at 33 on Billboard and it went gold. But uh, A lot of people had that one. But, yeah, I mean, this was, I guess this is kind of the peak for Dawkins, you know, because the... Uh, they did the Back for the Attack album was pretty big. Yeah. And um, they, had, they had done the Monsters of Rock uh, tour with uh, Kingdom Come and, uh, you know, and Metallica. And, you know, it was a big, big tour. And this was the most... Lion ex- T was probably well, on that. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember who was on I'm going to get I'm gonna get chided for that, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so... Do- and, you know, and then Doc and also... I think they did the Dream Warrior song for the Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack around oh, this yeah. time. That was awesome. So this was the the height of exposure for Doc and outside of the commercial where they're talking about chicken and stuff, but um, which came out a couple of years ago. But uh, intern, yeah. <laughs> but oh, uh, intern. But yeah, this was a uh, you know Dawkins' height and um, highlights of this album for me. I mean, um, Tooth and Nail, Mister Scary. Uh, the yeah. the best thing on here, in my opinion, is uh, "Just Got Lucky." That's my favorite Dawkins song of all time. George Lynch, man. George fucking, Lynch freaking rules. Fucking rules. Shreds all shreds. over this album. I got to pick up one of his guitars one time. Did you? Show in Detroit. The thing. The I fight. know why he's got such big muscles, man. His fucking guitar was like Heavy. 38 pounds. <laughs> nice. I'm like, guys, shredding this thing for two hours a night. But yeah, so it's like a workout. That's, this is one band where, like, you always hear, you'll hear today about Molly Crew, Def Leppard, all these bands from the 80s. Dawkins should be in that conversation more often because they put out so. some, some really, really fantastic material from Most those days. Definitely. So that's my uh, my final pick, Dawkins, Beast from the East. All right, Luke, speed round, you're up. My last one, uh, didn't uh, number one, it wasn't planning on being my number one, but ACDC's my number one uh, favorite band of all times. So I have an ACDC tattoo. I love these guys. Uh, this is from, this actually didn't come out to the general public until 1997. Mm-hmm. But it was recorded in 77, and this one is legit. From head to toe, no trickery. It was done at a show in uh, New York City at the Atlantic Recording Studios. That's actually the name of the record, live from Atlantic Studios. But I didn't find it until later. Mm-hmm. Nobody did, no, because it didn't come out until 97. 
It was I, on the Bonfire box set. Yeah, I heard it, it a couple years ago. Old school shit, yeah, and uh, it's great. from head to toe. You know the 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 from the soundboard because probably there wasn't a lot of people there and mm-hmm. they didn't have a whole lot of shit to deal with. Yeah, they had no following at that. No, time. especially yeah. in the U.S. Not in the U.S. I, right. I mean, high voltage was probably only out for f- five six months. Right. Nice. You know. So uh, yeah, you knocked my pick out. I was gonna pick uh, if you want blood, you got it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that's too. great. I had that on LP when I was a kid. Yeah, this I'd never even heard. This of. one is deep underground. You kind of have to be a super fan to have it. I mean, it's probably more ready, readily available now. But making me yeah. feel bad. I thought I was a super fan. You are. You're a super <laughs> fan. But uh, you know, original lineup, and uh, it's 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 not that many songs. But uh, no, it's a short set. Very short. But uh, it, it. I think there was a, actually a second one live from Atlantic Studios Part Two or something mm-hmm. like that, possibly. But. Uh, We'll go with Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be just because I love Bond's uh, intro, the yeah. talking before the song. And freaking and he, awesome song. Oh, you're from New York. He said the same thing at every damn show, at every damn tour. Oh, you must be from Paris. And that's and Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be. But this one happened to be New York, so <laughs> Bond's got my ultimate hero. Hey, you! ACDC released fucking awesome live albums. I remember in 97 when ACDC, it was just called ACDC Live came out. And that was, I mean, it was like greatest hits and then some, you know, because by 97, talking about greatest hits by ACDC, there was a whole shitload of them. So I guess that falls on to me then, huh? All right, we're All right, so last here, pick. here's my number one. And man, we couldn't do this show without Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Shoot. I mean, talk about come out 1987 with Randy Rhodes. This was released as a tribute to Randy Rhodes. You know, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne, I, it was a tough one for me because I really loved Speak of the Devil because I had that on LP when yeah. I was a kid. It was one of the first albums I ever had. My dad was like, you shouldn't listen to that. That's bad. So look at this crazy guy on the cover <laughs> with his teeth and the and the meat and all that. But, man, you just you can't beat Tribute as a live album because, man, I love Randy Rhodes. I was I was too young to truly appreciate Randy Rhodes oh, at that too. time. Yeah. But as as I've grown to an adult, man, I mean, as much as a huge Ace Frehley fan as I am, you just can't touch Randy Rhodes. And if you want a live album that makes you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go with any three of those Kiss albums. Yeah. Maybe not four, but three. You can go with any three <laughs> yeah, of them we won't Kiss even, albums. We won't speak of the Alive Millennium concert. But if Kiss you want to put on a pair of headphones and feel like you are there and a part of something special, you throw on Ozzy Osbourne Tribute. Yep. What song do I pick? 
Chris, I don't care. Pick any of them because they're all freaking awesome. Maybe one of the Sabbath covers. That would be sweet. That's my number one live album of all time, besides maybe one of them Kiss albums. I mean, I'm really partial to Kiss Alive too, but you just can't beat Ozzy Osbourne tribute. I have memories of being a kid and watching Headbangers Ball on Saturday night and seeing the, the video for Crazy Train when it would come on and all the, the pictures of Ozzy and Randy. And I didn't really know the story at the time. I was just like, wow, this is a cool looking video. And then I had you know older friends that would clue me in and say, tell me the story about Randy Rhodes. And, it's a tragic loss for rock and roll and for, for Ozzy and, uh, you know, but at least, you know, he got stuff down on tape that, that it's just mind blowing, you know, so and, rest in peace Randy And that's the Rose. beauty of an innocent mind because when I had that album, double LP, I bought it from Uncle Bruce, you know, for a dollar or two, you know, because he was all into selling, turning me on to music and, and still making and Taking your money. <laughs> and, no, and still, still making, I'm sure it had more to do with my parents going, hey, don't just give him them albums. He's got to earn some chore money around here. I'd do whatever I could around the house or earn as much money as I could. I bring five dollars to my Uncle Bruce every week, and he'd give me five albums. You know, and that's that was such a huge part of my childhood. I had no idea Randy Rose was dead. I didn't even know who Randy Rose was. Yeah, I just I... knew these albums were. You know, I'd pick them out based on the cover. You know, most of the time, not knowing because, like you, yeah. I knew Kiss. I knew nothing else. You know, I just I knew I loved Kiss. I knew I loved rock and roll, and I'd get these albums, and I'd listen to them, and I w- it would turn me on, you know, Ted Nugent, Ozzy, Sabbath, you know, anything I'd get my hands on, I would, my Uncle Bruce just selling off his record collection, and I'd just grab stuff and take it home and listen to it, and this, you know, I didn't know Randy Rhodes, I didn't know he was dead, I didn't know this was a tribute to him, I just know it freaking ruled, man, you pick any song off this album, and it's awesome, because as much as I love Tony Iommi, Randy Rhodes live on this adds a little something special to it. Good choice. And make sure you catch me on Ozzy Osbourne's radio station every weekday afternoon yeah. on Sirius XM, Ozzy's Boneyard. My favorite radio station. It's the best, man. Totally yeah. is. So I'll, I'll put links to all of Luke's stuff in the uh, show notes for this. And uh, before we get kicked out of the studio here, I know Luke's got places to be. But uh, glad you could finally come on and do this with us. Let's and, do it again. And, uh, and actually, it is still recording. And next so. time <laughs> next time, I want to be the third, uh, the third geek again. Okay. Well, it was fun having you on. And apologies to Ted Nugent, Cheap Trick, and... Uh, Deep Purple and, and everybody all the, else all the with, obvious uh, choices we should have yeah, I feel I feel a little bad about Cheap Trick to be <laughs> yeah, honest yeah, with you. Yeah. I'm still mad at it. I'm going to have to do part two. Let's yeah. do, we'll do We'll tell you what. We'll do part two, the three of us together, all the picks that we didn't pick today because, man, there's a shit ton yeah. of them. Yeah, let us know on the Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash decibelgeek, and let us know what we missed and how big of idiots we are and how you're going to check out and subscribe to Sirius and uh, listen to Luke's show. That's right. Yeah, and how cool it was that we had Luke on with us today. My pleasure. All right, we're back to my crappy studio. See you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.